0: with another episode of The Anarchist Experience, episode 444, a.k.a. Year 9, Week 20, uh, coming at you this week. As always, I am your host, Mr. Richie Rich, along with...
1: MC and KS.
0: KS. And since this is your regularly scheduled Saturday broadcast, we do this show on the old clubhouse. Uh, The club, if you can still find it, or the house, as they've renamed them, is The Anarchist Experience, or you can at me if you can still find people this way, Uh, at riches for rich R-I-C-H-E-S, the number 4 R-I-C-H We hit the record button somewhere around 3pm Eastern Time, Saturday afternoons, Uh, and you're always welcome to join the club, raise your hand if you can figure out how all that nonsense works um, and participate (coughs) Otherwise, we just shoot from the hip I've got headlines, but what is going on with you guys this week?
1: Um not much. I'm I'm trying to figure out my future. And maybe I shouldn't go to New Hampshire if that's where you go to get arrested for selling crypto.
0: Okay. So to be fair, that was a federal crime just so happened to happen in New Hampshire. But we can talk about it. So I went, I left work uh, for about two and a half hours on Monday. Did not get to see the whole hearing because I had to hustle back to work. But Ian Freeman of the Crypto Six was finally sentenced in his trial uh for what we're all calling selling bitcoin like that's 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 what we believe the true nature of the crime is he was sentenced to eight years um the court documents say money laundering and and wire fraud so those are those are the crimes that they were allegedly able to prove in court to a jury uh there's going to be appeals uh but he was immediately taken into custody. Like no, no second thoughts. No, you know you can stay out on appeal. Thank you. Probation had agreed that he wasn't a threat in any way, shape, or form. But eight years, um, you know, this is this is like a matter of perspective, right? Like some people are calling that generally a win, um, <laughs> because the minimum sentence uh for the conviction was you know the the minimum the minimum re- referral for the conviction was somewhere in the neighborhood of like 20 years it was like 17 years to like 28 years or something like that based on the 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 minimum months so that they negotiated it down to half um uh, is you know some people are calling that a win i don't call it a win at all uh on, on his website, freekeen.com, it's a recent blog post. I'm sure you can find it there. I don't have the link to it, nor am I going to link to it anywhere on this show. Uh, is his speech, the, the text of the speech that he gave during his right to allocution. And so I would recommend anyone who's interested or following along, go read Ian's words directly. Um, and basically, you know, they, the, the feds won this particular witch hunt right they they had plenty of opportunity that you know they've been going after ian and free talk live for years and this is the one that they finally were able to to get him on so and again mc this is this is a federal charge he he had legal opinions from new hampshire attorneys that said he was had broken no new hampshire laws that remains to this day like the state of new hampshire never brought any charges against him for any crime whatsoever uh, this was, you know, specifically on the federal level. This is, this is, you know, the same type of thing that a while ago, we, you know, when when big-time sellers first were becoming prominent, uh, that we were reading about on this show in, you know, I think it was Michigan and other states throughout the country, where they were going after um, heavy sellers on the old website LocalBitcoins.com or LocalBitcoin.com, which the site still exists. Uh, but they took away, you know, the the face to face meeting, which is what made the site special. Um, but that's where that's where Ian was selling, and that's where selling, he was
2: trapped. This is um, he's just offering to sell cryptocurrency. Is that what he's
0: what the yes. crime is? Bitcoin specifically, but yes.
2: When did that become a law? I mean, a
0: crime? It's not. It's absolutely not a crime. It's one hundred percent not a crime. So they initially they pegged seven or eight different charges on him uh, i mean you can follow again you can follow along i think it's thecrypto 6com uh, you can write out the the number 6 or just put the number 6 in there uh, so ian was a heavy seller on localbitcoin.com and had some um, bitcoin kiosks the i don't want to call them atms vending machines bitcoin vending machines he had a couple of those in in New Hampshire, and because he was doing crypto business, um, he was unable to keep a bank account right We've talked about that on this show before. The banks once they find out you're using you know their bank account um, to to stock or fund or somehow interact with a crypto business they were uh, they were closing his accounts, and as they were closing his accounts. Uh, he opened up more accounts at different banks under different names for different purposes. Uh, he had a team with them, which is why he got the kingpin charge initially. There were six of them, you know, uh, also selling Bitcoin on local Bitcoins, using these various methodologies to not get their bank account closed down. Um, one of them, Aria, uh, another host of Free Talk Live, is currently serving an 18-month sentence for her activities uh, in this whole crypto six thing. Uh, but Ian, Ian is the one that put it all together. Now the, the wire fraud, um, and money laundering charges are dubious and spurious at best. Uh, the claim that was somehow proven to a jury of 12, uh, was that Ian knew that he was working with, um, romance scammers and other scammers, uh, through, you know, throughout this endeavor and that he was willfully helping them exploit these poor, innocent old ladies and old men and fleecing them for their life savings. Now, again, I, I suggest reading some of, uh, of Ian's own words because I won't be able to do it justice, but the gist of it was uh, he had measures in place to avoid and or minimize those things. And of the $20 million or so in transactions that he did over the course of five years, he... Uh, two percent of that were scam victims so you know and and his attorneys brought up in the hearings you know if if the scammer goes to walmart and buys gift cards and walmart sells them gift cards is walmart culpable right (laughs) if he he goes to western union to send a money order is western union culpable like these scammers have any number of ways to avoid uh persecution prosecution right that there's no way that Ian could have should have known uh, or be held accountable and the next hearing which he will be you know transferred from a jail cell to will determine how much restitution he actually owes these people for having having them been scammed by somebody else and him being the facilitator uh to the point where you know again this is a matter of perspective right our perspective is those scam victims lied to ian Right, about the nature of the purchases that they were making because he asked a series of questions. One of them is, are you being coerced by a third party to make this purchase for any sort of other reason? Um, and they all said no, right? They all said, nope, this is for me. This is my investment, so on and so forth, yada, yada, yada. Um, and so, since some of them were repeat customers, he just assumed they were up and up, liked his project, uh, liked you know, you know, his service, and were fine with dealing with him. Um, and so they came back, right? So there was nothing... There was, he knew nothing about the scam victims, uh, until he received discovery in the trial. And that's, I believe that's on record somewhere as well. So these people were getting romance scammed. They lied to Ian in order to send their scammers money. Uh, and now they're, they're, uh, putting Ian on the cross for, for that. Um, they even, there was one. (laughs) When you said romance scam, what does that mean? Uh, um, are you not familiar with romance scams? Like in general? No. no. Okay. So people, I mean, will, term, yeah. people will reach out online, uh, you know, through dating apps or any other email scams or whatever, and old people will get scammed by them, right? They'll, like the Nigerian prince, oh, if you just wire me $20,000, I'll send you, you know, the $2 million that's being held by whatever, right? And so these, these uh, romance scam victims believe that they were in a relationship uh, with these scammers across the world and some, you know, like, ah, oh, he's on an oil rig somewhere, right? And he needs money on the oil rig because he's on the oil rig and can't access any funds. But somehow on the oil rig, he needs like, you know, $100,000. Um, and these romance scammers would purchase Bitcoin from Ian. Ian would get $100,000, right? And then he would forward $100,000 worth of Bitcoin uh, to the romance scammer on the oil rig, and so the romance scammer gets the Bitcoin. Ian gets the money, um, and the victim is without his money and without the Bitcoin.
2: And then he's being held accountable. That that does sound terribly bizarre. That that I mean, I, right. I suppose PayPal should have been uh, gone to prison for the
0: because I'm sure they they've been used for by scammers too, right? Uh, yes, all the time. Right, that, that's this. These are known scams, these are known scams. And the what they again, this is our opinion the belief uh, is that Ian is being held up on you know, held up to drive on this one particularly because he does not have a money transmitter license from the federal government. Whereas PayPal and Visa and MasterCard and all these other people, while well, they have this federal government permission slip to transmit money even though so, they're still facilitating scams right they have the government permission slip and so ian a, go ahead what what's
2: a, a permission what what is he? what does one have to do to get this permission i mean is it um, a very onerous it must be a very onerous application process um, i mean it's a federal government does, application process the i don't know a federal government Presume that it's offering some kind of assurances by having this license or does it just say well this is permission to run but it it doesn't
0: do any kind of does it do any kind of scrutiny of their operations or anything to get this license i i don't have a i don't have an answer but it's the federal Mm -hmm. government so i'm sure the process was onerous Mm um and 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 it's also the federal government so they have no accountability or liability so whatever scrutiny they may have done they're still not going to be held account for uh, I suppose it's a way that PayPal and other others with licenses just exclude their competition too. Right. Well, and even even in that aspect of it, right? Like people use PayPal and Western Union and all these gift cards, right? Mm-hmm. In uh, to scam other people. Like that's that's a known thing that happens, mm-hmm. right? And all of these people have permission. They have permission to transmit the money. And even though they're facilitating scams, they're not being uh, prosecuted by the federal government for the scams. Um, As far as the scam victims are concerned, again, at least one uh, one example stands out. Um, Ian, you know, he lost about $200,000 as part of Ian's operation, but he lost $900,000 outside of the operation. So this guy lost over a million dollars to to a romance scammer a scammer of some kind right and not only are they not are not only is there no fbi uh action against the scammer they didn't even ask him about the other nine hundred thousand dollars like oh you lost nine hundred thousand dollars over here okay tell us more about ian freeman (laughs) and so it was it was absolutely a targeted prosecution um with what we believe to be zero merit, right? But it's I, I keep saying we believe, and it's because, well, we're fucking close, you know, to the man, right? So it's hard, it's hard to be objective, and I don't think we need to be, but, the, you know, I'm why, trying to be as objective as possible. Why do you think they're possible. targeting him? Yeah, they're absolutely targeting him. They targeted About him, what? they targeted the studio, they tried to get Free Talk Live off the air. You know, they have been doing so for years, um, and so the, the show will and must go on um, again it's like a hydra right uh they say so it's
2: a, a political motive they, they don't like this free talk live and they they're using this as an excuse for going after them right? oh yeah well oh,
0: the, the you mean the promotion of freedom and liberty and individual responsibility no 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 you can't have that on on national airwaves ks like that's mm. not a chance So, like I said, much like the Hydra, as soon as Ian got taken into custody, um, no less than eight people offered to fill his seat on Free Talk Live. Um, So, like a Hydra, the the show will go on. Um, Ironically, foreseeing this event, right, this happened on Monday, foreseeing this event, Ian had, like, the Free Talk Live feed on lockdown, right? Like, these are the shows that are going to run in this time slot, and at, coming out of the courthouse, they decided, hey, we should do a live episode of Free Talk Live on Mondays, whereas it normally would be other content. Uh, and they couldn't break into the, their own show. Mm. Like they had trouble overriding the feed that Ian had programmed in there however many months ago uh, to break in and do a live show. So like the first hour was Ernie Hancock's Declare Your Independence, and they finally figured out how to break into the show. And so like you, you got two hours of live content talking about what happened in trial. And that's the, uh, the, this past, Monday, past Monday's episode of Free Talk Live.
2: Just out of curiosity, is, yeah. I, I mean, I would imagine that Ernie Hancock would be very sympathetic to them. Was he, was he just asked, hey, step aside and let us uh, go on? Or was
0: that just not part of it? Uh, I, it was not part of it. And I think partially because I don't think Ernie's show is live. Like oh, it, it's a pre-recorded okay. show set up to run during the time slot that he's allotted for Monday nights. Oh, okay. Um, but you can still, you can still find Ernie Hancock's full show in, in the free talk live feed. So they didn't, you know, it didn't run live on the radio, but there's still an archive of it for the internet reader, uh, internet listeners. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And, and again, good thing he didn't, even if he was asked because they couldn't figure out how to break in, you know, like his, Whatever Ernie does on his end, he, like, he records the show, he uploads the file, uh, the feed pulls the file from Ernie's servers or however that works. I don't know the specifics, but this, I imagine that's how it is. Um, and then it just runs, right? And so to, so to break in was apparently a challenge.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: but, yeah, so it's, it's a Bitcoin case, uh, but it's not really even a Bitcoin case, right? You know, I got to, This is my first time to the federal courthouse um, in Concord, New Hampshire, And so I, you know, I was, I was able to leave work. I'm glad I did. You know, they, they postponed this, uh, sentencing a couple of weeks ago. I didn't go to that one. Um, and I was like, you know, these motherfuckers, right. We had such a good turnout the last time, uh, for supporters of Ian that they're trying to make it look like there's less support this time. And so it's, it's a little thing in the grand scheme of things, but I was like, I, I'm going to find a way to get there just so i can be one more body in the courtroom right and and i was an extra body like the courtroom was full and so they had to have a second courtroom for overflow for everyone who wanted to witness uh the sentencing and so i was in a separate room watching it on on you know closed circuit or whatever on a tv screen um but i you know i i get to the courthouse uh I check, you know, I go through security and then I don't know where the fuck I'm going around this thing. So I just, I just asked the, you know, the deputy, whatever, what, the, what, who's the guys out front? Security, the um, bailiff, whoever, whoever that security guy is there, you know, I'm like, I'm here for the political persecution of Ian Freeman. Where do I go? And he very kindly said, uh, second floor, third courtroom three. All right. No challenge, no question. He knew what was up, um, whether he thought he did or not. Um, but yeah, so. You, you may find more crypto-friendly countries, uh, MC, to go visit. But crypto-friendly states, this is still, I think, number one in the United States. Um, and just if you're, if you're on the bad side of the feds, right, it doesn't matter what state you're in. Because this is just, in the grand scheme of them cracking down on Bitcoin, this is just the most recent one here in New Hampshire. Right? Like I said, we've covered many stories of them going after money laundering people, uh, in various states over the course of you know the history of Bitcoin, um, you know pre pre the, that big run in 2017, um, and this is just the latest. So you're not going to get away from the Feds in Hawaii. You're not going to get away from the Feds in any other state. Uh, but you can you can still have more crypto freedom than anywhere else uh, here in New Hampshire. Right on.
1: Uh, in other crypto news, um, PayPal is creating their own. Crypto US dollar token. Oh, great. <clears throat> yep. Um, so that'll be interesting. I don't know how uh, how good that'll work or how much competition it'll bring to Tether and USDC or the US dollar. Um, Is it, it a transitional
0: the, token? Because you can buy, through the PayPal app, you can buy Bitcoin. And one of the biggest problems with it on the PayPal app was you couldn't transfer it out of the app. Like you <laughs> so could, it's not bitcoin <laughs> well I, I mean allegedly then right like you buy sure. bitcoin through paypal you can then sell it back to paypal at whatever price they're posting it as and you can you know i would hear the case that they're not actually selling anything but uh paper assets yeah. um, go ahead yeah that's
1: exactly what they're doing okay um which i think is fraud just like selling paper gold um And then the other thing is uh, I heard, I don't know how true it is, uh, that the CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currency, is kind of
0: failing in Congress. So uh, maybe they won't be rolling that out. I don't know. All right. Well, what are are the implications of the PayPal thing, do you think? I mean, if it's not going to, if it's...
1: Oh, it's just just another uh, dollar replacement. Uh, Right. So similar to USDC and Tether.
0: Yeah, and that's that's kinda why I thought maybe it was just paper since they're you know, you, you call it we'll call it paper assets, but they're calling it Bitcoin. Right. If they're doing that internally on PayPal, um, you know, maybe just using that as a as a transitional token to get from dollars into crypto to buy the Bitcoin and back forth and however they're planning on doing it.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't think they care what you what you do with it. Um it's I think it's more a branding thing. Okay. And it's to keep people on the PayPal ecosystem. So let's, I mean, kind of anti-competitive. So if you're on PayPal and you want US dollars, you can hold PayPal's token, but you can't hold USDC or Tether there. So, all right. um, but it's, it's a way for people to hold a digital asset that is linked to the dollar or pegged to the dollar and uh, just to keep them on their, their platform. Yeah.
0: Well, then, hopefully, other competitors. I know PayPal owns. Is it Venmo that they own? They, uh, they own so. one of the big transmitters. Yeah. Okay, but either either way, there's like there's also Cash App, right? And Cash App, you can you can buy cryptocurrency and Bitcoin through Cash App. So maybe if Cash App tethers to USDC or whatever, then you know that that'll be the most the nearest competition to PayPal um, for that. But you know, I've 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 not purchased any cryptocurrency through PayPal or Cash App, and I, that's like my least preferred way to do it. Sure, like I don't, you know, I, I'm I'm not on any exchanges either. Like that's also kind of down there. Which is, you know, here's the thing, right? I'm not on any of the exchanges because I don't want any of that know your customer bullshit, uh-huh. right? <clears throat> And going back to, like, the, the you know, the, the Crypto 6 Ian Freeman thing, they claimed that he, was, he valued privacy, so he had minimal know-your-customer requirements, uh, which wasn't true. Like, he got a whole bunch of information from people. Um, and, again, you know, in court, as evidence, they, they pulled up his, like, local Bitcoin feedback rating, uh, and the only negative feedback he had was uh, he's asking too many questions and wanting to get too much information from us. <laughs> so on, yeah. on the one hand, he was overburdeningly, uh, overburdenly questioning people to make sure that they weren't scammers, uh, but at the same time helping the scammers out and, and hiding everything because of privacy. Like the prosecution tried to have it both ways, um, and and again somehow were successful.
1: I I used to uh, promote basic attention token, uh, but now uh, on the at least on the Brave browser that. That's where they they give them out for free for attention. Yep. Um, now they're. I have re- some of that
0: somewhere. They
1: are requiring uh, that you uh, s- set up an account on a third party platform now, and so oh. you have to give up your information and you know, license and banking account or whatever, and uh, then you can have an account, and then they then you can be included in the system. So oh. I think they're ju- just doing that for you know reg- regulatory. Uh, issues well, just, to, just to keep operating. But um, yeah, so you might want to get
0: out of that one. Well, I mean, I, at the at the very most, like Brave has uh, got attention from me that they're no longer having to pay for, right? Because I'm not going to go through that, which means whatever bat I have stuck in there is just going to be stuck in there.
1: Yep. Oh, well, well. It'll get de- It'll get deleted. That's <laughs> so fine, right? I, I've i just... got like $10 worth uh, over the last couple of years. Yeah,
0: <laughs> so. so I'm not... I'm not sweating it. You know, it's, it's not breaking my <laughs> bank. Um, but I'm also not going to look at their stupid fucking advertisements that pop up anymore either then. Yeah. Because that was it. It was like, okay, we'll pop up an ad. I'm like, all right, well, I sit at work all day, so I'll just use the Brave browser at work, right? Pop-up ad, pop-up ad, pop-up ad while I'm working, and then, you know, I'll, I'll make extra money uh, while sitting there at work. But, but no more Brave if you're going to be pulling this nonsense. Um, mm-hmm. And, again, this is, you know – uh, who do I, I don't know if it's a conversation we're having here or outside of this venue, uh, but I do feel like uh, in general the the government is like slowly c- closing the walls in on cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, right? Like it, it it was it was so convenient years ago to just buy it and then you maintain some level of privacy, and now. They've, they're monitoring the on-ramps and off-ramps. And so to, it's well, prohibitively difficult to get on an exchange or to get off an exchange without leaving some sort of paper trail for the feds.
1: Sure. Um, or you could look at it another way. And, and, you know, very early, it was very difficult to get. And now it's, it's very difficult to get uh, w- with privacy intact. So um, there's still ways to do it. It's just a matter of, you know how much energy do you want to put into it and so back back then the people that, that put in the work to to get them early uh got paid out a lot and uh we'll we'll see how long it takes for you know bitcoin to hit a million and and uh pay out again so
0: and even when that happens right I'll, I I don't have I'm not on an exchange so my off ramp is you know significantly slower and longer
1: mm, maybe and now, so so when when Bitcoin really maxes out again it's it's going to be you know a mad frenzy yet again, and uh you know people will come out of the woodwork wanting to buy it, and that's generally a good time to sell.
0: Well, oh, I get that it's a good time, but coming out of the wood coming out of the woodwork for me means I have to find all those people with like a stack of cash
1: They will find you maybe or it might be you maybe know, there 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 might be a website that pops up you know maybe they don't even stay in business for 6 months but you know while they're while they're up then you can right. do your thing and then and then they'll get taken down just like you know local bitcoins did and, uh well out, same, outside same of this
0: venue you keep me apprised of those websites because if that's if that's the if that's the exit ramp for the next you know bull run then maybe I take it maybe I hang on for the the next next bull run yeah, or whatever I'm just saying
1: where there's a will, there's a way. And, and when, when it gets, when the market gets heated up again, uh, there, there's going to be people, you know, making,
0: uh, making things happen. So. All right. Fair enough. Well, I believe you and we'll see. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, But, but lo- local Bitcoin was it like that was, that was the one, like you want to do face-to-face transactions with real human beings. This is where you go. And then they, the, the, like the whole purpose for them existing being local Bitcoin went out the window and then was like, okay, do all these weird transfers and send money to people's bank accounts. And we're not going to let you do the face-to-face stuff anymore. So of course now it's easier to send it to a scammer. Right? <laughs> yeah. But if you had, but if you had to show up, oh, and that was the other thing, like the, the other, uh, uh, uh was it wire fraud or, or money laundering? Um, uh, one of the charges got thrown out because Ian was, Ian was aware of the scam. Right. He's like, oh, yeah, I read I read all these articles about how they caught people, right? And every single one of them, the, the Fed sent in a Confederate, right, to say, like, ah oh, yeah, I'm a heroin dealer. Go ahead and sell me Bitcoin. Um, and so they sent the Confederate to a local Bitcoin meetup group in Keene. Um, you know, the guy wasn't talking to Ian directly, but he said it loud enough where Ian heard it that, oh, yeah, he's like some Russian heroin dealer, you know, here to buy Bitcoin. And then he asked Ian if he could buy something and said, I can't knowingly sell you any anymore because you you told me what you do and then some months pass and the guy shows up again and he goes uh so your your atm down the street can i buy from that one and ian said well i can't tell you you can't buy from that one right like i'm not monitoring it daily um and so part of that charge was that they ian did not discourage the fraudster hard enough (laughs) <laughs> uh, and therefore committed the act of money laundering. Uh, that one was fortunately thrown out, right? Um, but again, in, in part of their closing arguments for sentencing, whatever, uh, the prosecution made the case that Ian was a, a highly technical and intellectual criminal because he actively advised his, his, his workers and customers not to break the law. You heard that right. I didn't, I didn't misspeak. So Ian was so versed in what the law was that he took all the steps necessary to not break it. And that made him a sophisticated criminal because he did not break the law. They, that's the case that they made. Those are the words out of the prosecutor's mouth during the sentencing hearing. He knew what the law was, your honor, and took steps to avoid breaking it because he knew that if he broke the law, he would be caught, and so he did not. They also, the most egregious one, I think, I, I think this one's being a little blown out of proportion, but hey, we're running with it. Um, the most egregious one is, uh, Ian, there was a guy proclaiming to be a CEO in Nigeria And the picture he took to send to Ian, you know, the verification photograph, like, hold up the sign saying, like, you know, I'm not being coerced or whatever it is, um, was a black man without a shirt on. And they said, Ian should have known that a black (laughs) man without a shirt was not a CEO, was not, you know, wasn't intelligent enough to be making this purchase and should have prevented it from happening. And you could just, the the racism just oozes out of every pore, right? Like this poor guy who might be trying to better himself in Nigeria because he was black uh, and, you know, and, and not dressed like a CEO should be dressed, that Ian should have known, right? White Ian should have known that there's no way that this shirtless black guy is a CEO of anything and should not have sold them the Bitcoin. And so there. That's again from the prosecutor's mouth, and and so the the local media's, or the local crypto friendly people are running with that one. Like how how can they be blatantly racist about what about who you know deserves to buy Bitcoin and who doesn't deserve to buy Bitcoin, as if being shirtless as if being black and shirtless precludes you from being a CEO anywhere. Uh, but no, that's again that's one of the that's one of the cases that the prosecution uh, made during during sentencing. So a mess all the way around. They're looking again, there, there will be appeals. So hopefully he won't spend too much time in a cage. Um, And again, part of his little speech, you know, he's like, well, I I understand that people are supposed to apologize when given this opportunity in hopes for a lenient sentence, but I still feel I did nothing wrong. And then listed all the various ways that his, the people lied to him and took advantage of him and (coughs) this, that, and the other. And that, you know, they, that this was a, a targeted attack. And so even, even with the 20-year the, the, the sentence looming over his head, um, he has and still maintains his innocence throughout. And we generally agree with him because, again, this was a political persecution, not really any attempt to stop anything bad from happening, right? Scammers are going to get scammed or victims are going to get scammed by scammers. Scammers are going to scam and however they do it, right, even, even if, you know, you could, even if you could say um, that Ian Freeman had a part to play in this at all, which we don't, uh, the fact that the FBI is not going after any other, any other party involved, right, they're not going after any of these other scammers, they're not going after any of the other third parties that transacted uh, on behalf of the scammers, Right. It like it was it was malicious prosecution uh, and targeting at the very minimum. um, And, you know, a jury full of assholes who didn't who were looking for, you know, a bad guy to scapegoat and Ian, you know, being who he is and not very sympathetic to non-libertarians was the was the one they hung up this time. Headlines. yep. All right.
1: Where did where did they find these jurors? Yeah. Uh, it's a
0: federal jury. So it's, it's the court was in New Hampshire, but it's a federal court. So likely people on the federal jury roll, uh New Hampshire residents of some kind. And again, you know, with, with all the activism that Ian has done in the 20 plus years that he's been living in New Hampshire or close to, I forget when he actually moved. I think it's over 20 years. Um, he's got a, he's got a good reputation in our community um, and a, a not-so-good reputation outside of it, right? Because he's, he's always there on the front lines doing some sort of activism work, whether that was, you know, the cop blocking, the 420 rallies, the jury nullification outreach, like he was always there um, promoting freedom, liberty, peace, uh, voluntary societies, and the like. Um, and, you know, the, the the people who are not ready to be unplugged from the matrix – take great offense to that sort of activity and we'll do everything to protect it.
1: Uh, I don't know if you know who he is, but Eric Weinstein was, uh, he's part of the intellectual dark web. Okay. Uh, you know, he, a YouTuber basically. Um, so he, he was on, uh, he was called to go to be on, on jury. Uh, but he was excused because the, the, the judge said, well, this is this is what the 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 case is going to be about there's some eyewitnesses that that uh showed or that said that this guy stole stuff and um and that and that's all the evidence we have so does does anybody think they won't be able to convict based on <laughs> eye, eyewitness testimony and and Eric Weinstein raised his hand and said um well if that's all you have then I probably won't be able to. Yep. And so then the judge says, is there anybody else who, who says they won't be able to convict based on one eyewitness testimony? (laughs) And then another juror said, that's not what he said. So, so she gave up even more information. There was only one eyewitness. Okay. And they're going to, and they're trying to put this guy in prison. And now this guy that they caught without challenge, this guy that they caught didn't have any of the stuff that they said was stolen. So, and they and they searched around dumpsters and around in the neighborhood and they couldn't find it. Yep. So they obviously found the wrong guy and they were like, Oh, you're the one. And like and he's like, What? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I didn't steal nothing. Yep. Uh but there's one eyewitness that says, Yep, that's him. And he's he's, you know, possibly going to jail if he gets a stupid jury, you know. Well and the and judge has already made up his mind and, right.
2: and and is packing the jury with people who have who already would. made up their mind. Yeah. Right. Oh God, it's
1: it's so absurd. Like, hey, who wants to convict this guy? Raise your hand. <laughs> you yeah. know, you but, might as well say that. <laughs> and if you, yeah, that's
2: right. And if you don't want to, I, it's sort of the same way they always ask if you if you believe in jury
0: nullification. You know, they they'll excuse you for that too. Right. Yeah. So so the the problem with that thing is, uh, for, for Eric Weinstein, uh, is if if you if you believe in jury nullification. Right? Uh, you have no obligation to be honest to the judge or the prosecutor.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. I, right. I think he, he uh, misread the situation and didn't understand his actual duty, you know? Yeah.
0: Like, as soon as they asked that question, right, he should have fought and said everything right to get on mm-hmm. that jury and then be like the lone voice of dissent or, you know, possibly the lone voice of dissent to protect an innocent man. From being wrongfully convicted
2: well there is the complication that if you <clears throat>
0: um
2: don't answer the judge on that case and uh, you, you answer him differently than you actually act later on then you can be cited
0: for contempt of court well you as as, as the evidence is uh as the evidence is presented right you can say well yeah i would have convicted if i heard like viable plausible evidence but you guys did not make a sufficient enough case for me to convict. And that is my mm-hmm. opinion as the juror, right? If well, you're going to hold it's, it's me in contempt no because I don't no agree. The judge,
2: What's that? It's no business of the judge to ask that kind of question beforehand.
1: Oh, no, it's not. And that, that's agree. Reason why, the reason why he answered is because he, he assumed that his question was valid. Yeah. So uh, he, he assumed that the, that the court system is not rigged and he found out otherwise
2: can that be used then uh, i mean it seems like that should be used then as a, a reason for for invalidating the whole
1: oh yeah should be um, and judgment. and and the judge fired <clears throat> yeah for being a complete moron
0: yeah but we we all know that that's not going to happen yeah. judge in line for a promotion right supreme court yeah why not but yeah, so that's when it when it comes to jury nullification, right? You know, it depends on your goal. No one, no one. I well, I don't want to say no one. I'm sure there are people out there, but the general public, right, doesn't want to do jury duty, and and if they did, then it wouldn't have to be coerced, right? It, it wouldn't have to be mandatory. That when you get the letter, you show up to do your civic duty and all this other nonsense, right? If it were if it were truly a duty and people volunteered for it, that would be one thing. You'd get you know, you'd likely get more professional jurors to to you know meet out these things as opposed to just random people who had their day ruined by the jury summons, right? And in most cases, getting paid less than they would otherwise. So now their duty is costing them money uh, in a tanking economy. You know, piling up on that, right? And then there's the 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 unspoken presumption that if if you're in court, you're guilty, right? Like, why, why would they go through all the rigmarole to, to uh, arrest, bring in, put the case together if, this, if they didn't have sufficient evidence to convict um, and, and so guilty? And so the, the, it's always an uphill battle uh, to be at the defense table in court. Um, now, one, I don't know if this was possible in Ian's case, but every once in a while, right, when we hear all these stories about shit juries getting it wrong, and we know all these things about juries and jury duty, um, that it may be, it may be more of a risk, um, but to get a bench trial with just a judge, right? Like if, you know, from the beginning, this particular judge um, appeared to act within reason, right? Like he, you know, he's, he, he was the the judge for most of the crypto six people um, that went in front of him, um, like Aria, nobody, Ian. And he heard some evidence for nobody on his you know, pre-trial release. And he was like, oh, yeah, no, I I understand. And we're going to release this man. And we went, oh, we did not see that coming. We thought they were just going to hold him, you know, until trial. And so, we're like, okay, maybe, maybe this judge has a mind of his own and is able to see through some things. Um, and when he, you know, and, and in throwing out the one charge uh, of the, you know, the heroin dealing Confederate, right, it was like, okay, maybe maybe this judge is smart enough to see through, you know, some of the nonsense of the prosecutor's side. Um, but then he fell right back on, well, the jury found you guilty, so I, I now must do my part and act. And I'm not necessarily convinced uh, that if you got, if you presented the same case in front of just the judge... Right he would he may have found that no crime had been committed, right he may not have nullified because of the asininity of the prosecu- prosecution's case uh but the fact that they we all believe that they were unable to prove their case um means that you know he as the judge may have been the better arbiter uh than twelve asshats from New Hampshire, and so I'm not you know. I'm not convinced if, if it's a lot, like, I don't know that what the process, the process is, but sometimes they go like, you're not allowed to have a jury. This will only be in front of the judge. Sometimes I think that's better if the law is on your side, right? I, I, I forget there, there's an old quote, you know, if, if the law is on your side, pound on the law, uh, or, or if the fact, if the law is on, if the f- law is not on your side, pound on the facts, if the facts are on your side, pound on the table, it's some Mark Furman quote from, like, the OJ trial. I, I know I butchered it, but look it up. Um, you know, if, if the law is on your side, right, and the judge is beholden to the law, right, then you ought to let them meet it out, you know, on an individual basis. If the law is not on your side, right, and you're, like, you're trying to find the moral, ethical angle to this thing, um, then yeah i mean you 're going to have to convince someone on the jury that even to, to nullify like even if you broke the law it 's a bad law and ought not be punished for right and then you nullify and if neither of those are on your side you know then then you take a plea right and, uh, I'm just want to get out of here with you know the the best deal possible, and so on so I, you know if if you really don 't think you broke the law and th- your defense is yeah you sh- all, all we can tell is no law was broken and they have zero evidence for it. Well, then motion to dismiss, motion to throw out, you know, whatever you have to do. But don't put it in front of a jury because juries are known to convict innocent people for decades. It's not even, it's not even a question. Juries, juries have convicted innocent people for decades and jury nullification being, you know, the last right of the people. Right, has been uh, removed from court uh, except in New Hampshire, in, in most other jurisdictions, right in, in New Hampshire, I guess at the state level, like the defense is allowed to tell the jury about jury nullification, um, and that's, you know that's written into some statute somewhere in the state code. like they, they're allowed to be notified. You, you, you cannot be silenced uh, in the realm of jury nullification like you can in in other jurisdictions. <laughs> <clears throat> so take care of it that way if you, if you find yourself if you find yourself in a situation as eric weinstein right do what and, you, and you're trying to do the right thing right like if you're trying to get out of jury duty it's easy you just say i'm a libertarian i'm an anarchist i will not convict and boom you're out of there right you, half a day's work um but if you're trying to get in there to do the right thing and nullify you know and save a potential person's life and liberty right then do everything, do everything you can to get on that jury, right? And they can't prove your motive, right? Well, why did you convict? Because why did you, why did you uh, find not guilty? Well, the, I didn't feel the prosecution's case was strong enough to convict, right? Well, what do you mean? Like I, I heard all the evidence. I felt that I, I believed the defense, right? You needn't say more than that, um, and therefore there's no way to, there's no way for uh, your that that possibility of contempt, right? If you start talking about it, now yeah, I just got on this journey nullifying, you know, if you let your motives be known, well then yeah, right? But you hold that shit close to the vest for as long as you need to and nary a word shall be said, right? And then the innocent man goes free, you go home, judge sits and swirls, you know, everyone has a good time. Right on? Do we have headlines? I do have headlines. Headline uh, a libertarian perspective on the gay rights movement, uh, authored by Walter Block. If that matters <coughs> to you, I'll say that one. Sure. Oh, what's that? Well, I mean, I like him a lot. I know him. He's going to be a voice in the Jonathan Goldberg. Okay. Too. Well, he he's also the the author of Defending the Undefendable, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, he has a he has a history of hot takes. And so if you want to know what the, what, you know, the presum, uh, presumable hot take is on the libertarian perspective on the gay rights movement, uh, Bob's your uncle. Sure. Sounds interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, headline, cops and reporters are still hyping the Halloween threat posed by strangers with cannabis candy. Uh, headline, the problem with activism. Headline, no privacy, no property, the world in 2030 according to the World Economic Forum. Uh, Headline, this will make your blood boil. Biden admin goes full Orwell denying vax mandates ever happened. Uh, And finally, headline. uh, Oh, man, the headlines. Oh, there it is. D.C. food trucks underworld. Despite their popularity, food trucks at the National Mall are paying a hefty price to operate. So any of those in particular jump out at you guys this week. Well, I'm curious. The one, uh, Walter Block. All right. See, I name-dropped this because I knew that you'd pick it. (laughs) A a libertarian perspective on the gay rights movement. Uh, Free association means allowing gay people to lead gay lifestyles, but it also means allowing others to disassociate from them. One of the very, very high points in the history of the gay community from the libertarian point of view was their fight against the police in New York City in 1969. This was the Stonewall Riots, and the homosexuals and their supporters were entirely in the right. Up until that time, the police would raid bars, pubs, bathhouses, etc., frequented by homosexuals. They would do so with impunity, with little opposition from gay men, or from anyone else for that matter. But upon this occasion, they were met with fierce resistance, and the relationship between these two groups of young men was never again the same. Uh, Yes, apart from sexual preference, there was not much difference between the two Both were young men, for example. Uh, Why did the police continually raid establishments patronized by this group of people? That was because it was illegal for consenting adults of the same gender to have sexual relationships with one another. These places were used by members of this community to meet each other for, amongst other purposes, such illegal relationships. This sounds horrible, out-of-date modern to the ear, uh, but in some Muslim and African countries, such behavior is still illegal and often severely punished. The libertarian perspective is clear as a bell on this issue. No consensual adult behavior whatsoever should be banned by law. The gays at Stonewall were entirely within their rights, and the police, the law on the contrary notwithstanding, entirely in the wrong. The Nuremberg trials established the justification of ex post facto law. Just because an enactment was on the books does not necessarily render it justified. One might think then that homosexuals, at least a large percentage of them, would be libertarians. They were then, in 1969, or at least they were acting in a manner compatible with this philosophy. Alas, if it were ever the case, it is far from being true nowadays. From defending their rights to freely associate with one another for mutually agreeable purposes, they have in the modern era moved to violate the rights of other people. For example, many gay people now insist that others have a legal obligation to not only refrain from violating their rights by preventing their association, but to actively cooperate with them in promoting their lifestyles. Thus, they are now willing to coerce bakers, florists, and photographers to cooperate with them in promoting their marriages with each other. Gays have filed lawsuits in courts, the purpose of which was to force others, mostly devout Christians, to violate their own principles. Are these gay people acting in a manner compatible with libertarianism in doing so? Of course not. They are, in effect, asking the government to use violence of the sort of previously employed against them at Stonewall, and for many decades before that time, against their present victims. They were in their right then in objecting to the treatment meted out to them, but are now in the wrong in instigating similar rights violations against those who now refuse to cooperate with them. Uh, homosexuals have every right to engage in their consensual adult behavior, but no right at all to compel others who object to these practices of theirs to cooperate with them. Free association is a two-way street. Yes, gays should be allowed to enjoy the benefits of free association, but they should be prevented from denying those self-same rights to these Christians. Are homosexuals wise to engage in such anti-libertarian behavior? It is difficult to see how they are. They comprise only something of the order of less than 10% of the overall population. Those who bitterly oppose their behavior still have significant numbers. It is one thing for a powerful majority to pick on and violate the rights of a small, weak minority. All too often, they can get away with it, unfortunately. It is quite another for a small group, despised by many, to stick their finger into the eyes of people who greatly outnumber them. Are the gays overdosing on the movie The Mouse That Roared? This is a film where the great Peter Sellers played pretty much all of the roles. In the film, a small fictional country, think uh, Monaco or Liechtenstein, conquered the mighty United States army in the aftermath of World War II. This sort of thing can indeed occur in reality. David, after all, sometimes conquers Goliath. But in the long run, this is the exception that proves the rule. Gays, if they were to consult their own long-run interest, let alone the justice of the matter, would forthwith cease and desist from getting the government to violate the rights of people far, nor, far more numerous than they. A massive number of folks despise gay behavior in the first place, and this continual bullying of them will not likely induce any positive change in their assessment. These victims of the present gay community are only human too. They will grow to resent this mistreatment. Homosexual acts of this more modern sort are all too likely to boomerang against them. They'd be well to advise to limit themselves to their earlier heroic, nineteen sixty nine uh, libertarian behavior. Uh, P.S. I just saw the movie The Imitation Game, featuring Alan Turing and his machine, an early computer. He likely did more for Britain in World War II than anyone else, including Winston Churchill, and all the generals and admirals put together. Yet, how the United government, uh, uh, United Kingdom government, treated this gay man and many others in this category as well, was worse than despicable. End of the article. Uh, Does Walter Block have a point? Where do you guys fall on this issue?
2: Yeah. Yes, actually, I've I've made this uh, point to my gay friends uh, time and time again. Uh, You know, they they're opposed to someone uh, who doesn't want to rent their apartment to to uh, gay men and women, and I say, well, the law was used to. You know, to prevent gay men and women from having apartments, and then uh, now it's they're using a law to impose their particular values. And I, <clears throat> you know, I wasn't very successful at it because they usually see the law as something uh, enforcing something they want rather than um, the the principle of 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 uh, the initiation of force by some against others. So yep. yeah, this is a, a very logical point that uh, Walter Block is making, and. Very consistent, and I think that he's going to get a lot of grief at his university because of this position that he's taking.
0: Yep. MC, any thoughts?
1: Yeah, and another way to say it is that there are no rights for groups. You know, rights belong to individuals. Um, so there's no such thing as gay rights. <laughs> yep. There's there's only uh, there can be laws that that. Uh, are against gay people or for gay people, but um, it shouldn't shouldn't be that way. Should, there should be if if you if you have freedom, you don't have it.
0: So this this article kind of remind me of some other local drama that happened here over the last <coughs> week or two. I don't know how long it's been since it actually happened. Um, there's been a, a shakeup in the leadership of the Free State Project organization. Uh, libertarian Senate candidate Jeremy Kaufman was ousted from the board of the Free State Project. Um, depending on whose side you take, right, this was, again, um, a bullying attempt by uh, caused by hurt feelings of other board members um, or uh, getting rid of someone who was detrimental to the movement and cause of the Free State Project. And one of the... Uh, I, so I... Li- they they had a you can find this on YouTube the Free State Project uh, recorded the hearing the, the the meeting of the board members um, to discuss what's moving forward with what will happen with Jeremy Kaufman so you can and I li- like fifty five minutes and I listened to the whole thing not always with full attention but I I listened to the entire thing and one of the things that was brought up was his association on Twitter uh, with people who are accused of being racist. Right, like you you retweeted this racist guy. Um I don't even know if the tweet was racist, but the guy is apparently racist, uh, or allegedly racist. And and Jeremy retweeted them and they you know they're trying to hang this over his head. Um and because the Free State Par the Free State Party, uh, you know, Free State Project, um, and you know, supposed libertarians, right, are are opposed to racism in all forms, right? And I have always made the case that, you know, although I don't consider myself to be a racist, uh, I do recognize that racial discrimination falls under the umbrella of voluntary association, right? Like, if same with the gays. If you're the baker, if you're the white baker, and you don't want to serve, you know, make a cake for gay people, that's within your purview. Right, that's 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 within your right to associate and disassociate from people, and similarly, if you're a white baker and you don't want to serve uh, black customers, right, that is also within your right and within your purview. Now, do I agree with it? Like, do I think that that's a good course of business? You know, should you operate in that manner? No. Would I operate in that manner? Absolutely not. Right. But if you know if. If it's, if it's going to be fundamentally uh, about association and the ability to associate and dissociate with people, then you have to at least acknowledge that some of those things that you would not participate in personally fall within the umbrella of the grander scheme of things. Uh, and if you don't believe in that grander scheme of things, if you don't, if you don't like that umbrella, right, then you ought to find another venue Right, Because you no longer believe in the right of association. Uh, you believe in something else. Actually, so if
2: uh, if that's the only issue that they made that judgment on, then I would say they were being inconsistent and hypocritical. I mean, the ones who removed him yep. were inconsistent and hypocritical with the libertarian principle. Now, maybe there were more issues than that. There in were, case, but of that's course, the
0: one I focused on.
2: Yeah, uh, as a volunteer organization, they have to be. They have a right to be wrong in in how they associate too. But I, I certainly think that uh, on that principle, I would certainly have sided with that person.
0: Right. Uh, and as a volunteer the organization, issue. they have a right to disassociate with Jeremy. Like that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's also right. within the fundamentals. <laughs> right. Right. Although I would disassociate
2: from them. Uh, Probably, I mean, yeah. there are a lot of factors involved, but I would disassociate from them as well because they're they're not carrying out the libertarian principle that they advocate.
0: Right, and so I mean, it, like I said, it's it's close to an hour long. It's a shit show. So unless you really want to fucking know, I wouldn't recommend listening to it. But if you, if you got nothing going on this evening, you're like know, I'm just going to turn plenty. this on for an hour while I'm washing dishes. Right, you'll you know, you'll get the gist of it. Just like put, pop in some earbuds, go about your business, but listen to the shit show. Um, boy, you must have really dirty dishes. It takes an hour for you to wash those dishes. No, I do other things, right? Like I, <laughs> you know, I'm, just I'm sitting a... I'm sitting at work typing up documents and and doing reports, right? And I just go like I'm just going to listen to this because no one else is yeah. in the office when I'm doing. You know, a part of my day in the office, I work alone. and so you know, I'm not I'm not too bothered by that. I just. When everyone else is gone, I turn on something to listen to as wallpaper or background noise. But yeah, whatever it is you happen to be doing. If you're playing Magic the Gallery with your friends, right? just put this on. Who cares? Um, if you really want to know. But it's a shit show. It's hard to listen to. Uh, there's, you know, there's backstory that you or me are not privy to, so we don't have a complete picture. Uh, but they did post it, and so I listened to it. Uh, Jeremy showed up at the local monthly meetup. Uh, new mover party tried to get a word in. Um, he was heckled down by one of the other uh, board members when he was trying to, you know, make his case. They have an open mic session, um, and the the MC like cut off his mic. Said, "We're not going to platform you. This is not your venue. You know, get off my stage," kind of a thing. So well, he was, and he, he
2: should have been happy to leave.
0: Oh, well, he, he didn't not, like he protested, he but he left. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. Well, but that's there, the, sadly, there weren't. Some others in the audience that took up his cause and and rep- represented the, the consistent position.
0: Well, he he asked if anyone wanted to hear what he had to say, and I absolutely put my hand up as far as I could.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe the, the 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 guy in charge, the MC, wasn't looking around purposely.
0: Oh no, no, I'm I'm pretty sure it's because he's he falls on the side of the other board members. That's that's my claim. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be happy to be thwarted of that and i mean my mind changed but that's the the swiftness to which his microphone was cut after being heckled by another board member who also could have taken the open mic right it it could have been like a a few minute debate where he got his words out she got her words out in front of the crowd right Mm -hmm. and and then and then get cut off because it's not the the full platform for that type of discussion but for him to try to make his case, you know, in front of a group of libertarians and anarchists and people new to the project and to be shouted down by another board member so he couldn't get his thoughts out I also thought was distasteful. All right, final thoughts. Good. No, that's good. All right, Thank you guys very much. Thank you very much for listening. You guys know where to find us. AnarchistExperience.com on Telegram, t.me slash AnarchistExperience or t.me slash TheAnarchistExperience. And if you would like to contribute to this show financially, you can do so through Patreon. Patreon.com slash TheAnarchistExperience. Thank you very much for listening. I will talk to you all next week. Peace. Aloha. <laughs> See you, Rich. Yeah, thanks.